In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. On November 15th, just a few weeks ago, I finished a detective mystery about J.P. Beaumont, and I decided to not continue that series of audiobooks, but to download something else. I thought about classics, and then I thought about children's classics, and I decided to download the audiobook of Pollyanna. Little did I know what I was about to hear. I knew that the name Pollyanna sort of signified someone who was always seeing good in things, but was a little bit simple, a little bit dumb then maybe. I knew that the name Pollyanna was a bit derogatory. But I downloaded it anyway onto my phone, and I listened to Pollyanna as I walked along Shoal Creek or around my neighborhood. Pollyanna, the character in the book, is not simple, not dumb, not at all. She, uh, she had learned from her minister father, recently dead as the story begins, to look for something to be glad about in every situation. She called it, to all her friends throughout the town, she called it the be glad game. And she learned it when her family received a missionary barrel of cast-off clothing and other things at Christmas time one year, and she hoped, hoped, hoped that there would be a used doll in that missionary barrel, but there wasn't. There was only cast-off clothing and a pair of crutches. She was crushed, but her father taught her then to play the be glad game, explaining that she could be glad about anything. In this situation, she could be glad that she didn't need the crutches. She could be glad about that. So Pollyanna, at the beginning of the story, is coming to live with her grumpy Aunt Polly, who puts her in an attic room which, unlike all the other rooms in the house, does not have screens in the windows, so the windows have to be closed, and it's summer, and it's hot. There are no curtains on the windows. There are no pictures on the wall. There is no rug on the floor, and there is no mirror in that bare attic room. But this unwanted niece named Pollyanna is not daft. She knows. She knows she is unwanted. She knows that her aunt has taken her in as duty with a capital D. And Pollyanna cries on her bed in that bare attic room. Not just about the bareness of the room, but also about being isolated, being sent upstairs away from both Nancy the servant girl and her aunt, Polly. But. This is what makes Pollyanna such an attractive character, such a memorable character. This is what makes Pollyanna not go out of print. After she gets up from her cry, she begins again to look for something to be glad about. <laughs> and here is what she finds to be glad about. 
Number one, she admires the view from her windows, and she decides that those views from her windows are better than pictures on the wall. And she decides she's glad about there not being a mirror because she does not have to look at her freckles. Freckles were something that you hated in those days. In chapter after chapter of the book Pollyanna, this 11-year-old girl's innocence wins hearts all over town. Not every heart, however. She fails disastrously at trying to get the ladies' aid to agree to support an orphan in the town instead of sending the money to India to support an orphan in India. But she didn't give up. She kept looking for someone to take in that little orphan boy and she finally succeeds. Pollyanna never ever stops looking for something to be glad about. That is, until her tragic accident, where she is hit by a car. It's 1913, but they have cars, and she is hit by a car, and she <coughs> is paralyzed from the waist down. She thinks she's only got broken legs, and she's glad about that because she knows that broken legs get well, but permanent illnesses you don't get better from. But then she overhears her aunt talking to the doctor and hears that she will never walk again. And she falls into despair. The little girl who could always find something to be glad about thinks that finally there is something that she cannot be glad about, never walking again. But a few days later, people start showing up at her Aunt Polly's house, and they send messages up to her. They say, tell Pollyanna that we're learning to play the Be Glad game and thank her for teaching us how to be glad in all situations. Over and over, people come to the house and tell Aunt Polly, who has learned like Pollyanna, to please tell her that they are learning to play the Be Glad game. The book Pollyanna was written in 1913, and it ends happily because a doctor finds, uh, hears about a cure, and Pollyanna spends t 10 months in a hospital getting cured. But at the end, she can walk again. And when she comes home, she tells everyone that she's just glad that she was paralyzed because now she can appreciate being able to walk. Well, Pollyanna had a spiritual practice of offering God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, which takes us to Psalm 50. When I read this, this psalm in the year 2007, as I was writing Advent meditations for my church, I was riveted by that line, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I was also riveted by the last line, which we don't read, which says, whoever offers me the sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. In 2007, I was still a sad puppy and I had very little I thought to offer God. I had little money, little energy, little talent. But one thing I did have was a practice of telling God thank you for 10 things from the day every night before I fell asleep. 
And I realized when I read that verse that I had been offering God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And it made me feel that I was doing something worthwhile, something that pleased God. I had really been doing what Pollyanna was doing, but with a lot less energy. <laughs> I was not 11 years old. But what took this to a whole other level was after I was well, after I was no longer in those dark days, I looked back at those dark days, those dark years after my husband died, years that had seemed empty and barren and wasted, and then I saw things that I could be glad for, things that I had missed. When I did that, looked back at that dark time with different eyes and saw things that I could be thankful for, I was really, really able to offer God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I want you, please, right now, to think of a really difficult time in your life. I want you to hold that time in your heart and mind and allow yourself to re-enter it. And as you walk around in that difficult time, in that memory, I want you to try to play Pollyanna's Be Glad game. That is, in other words, look for a blessing. Because I guarantee you there is a blessing there. Probably there are many blessings. And I am not asking you to, to say that the time wasn't hard. We are not doing denial. It's simply I'm asking you to see with clear, focused eyes the goodness of God in a place where you might have thought God was absent. You may only see something very small, and that's okay but you might see something that takes your breath away. When the time is up, there will be an opportunity to offer God a sacrifice of thanksgiving.
please turn in the Book of Common Prayer to page 393. This is part of prayer six and prayers of the people. Most of the time when we do prayer six, there is only silence after these words I'm going to say, but I hope that today at least you will join me in offering God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and say aloud at least one thing for which you're thankful. When I say, we thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. I thank God that in Gallup, my priest saw my call to the priesthood even when I was lost. Hear what God says to all of us. Whoever offers me the sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. <laughs> 